Welcome to a very, very special edition of the Bruin Bible. We're calling it the Cook Crossover from here on out. Mr. Wayne Cook joining us again three times in three weeks. How lucky are we, Madman, to have Wayne Cook back on the show? And we do it with massive news coming out of the UCLA Westwood campus. We floated this name out kind of, you know, wishing, hoping that, you know, Jarman would maybe think about going out for this guy and Eric Bieniemy. Former Chiefs offensive coordinator studying with Andy Reid. Former running backs coach at Westwood making his return to UCLA to coach the offense and help guide Deshaun Foster in his first year as head coach. Wayne, first and foremost, where were you when you heard the news and what is your initial reaction to one of the big wigs within the NFL coming back and helping out UCLA Bruins at the college level? Wow. Uh, yeah, I had to, as soon as you asked me that question, I was like, where was I? Like, I, I don't I don't think really, I should know. That's like one of those moments in time, right? Um, I'm not sure. I started seeing it on – remember there was, the, there was the rumor, right? And we all know that with rumors with UCLA, it's like, well, we'll see. And so um, – but there was enough of it. I think it was when Pete uh, Thamel uh, – I believe that's how you pronounce his yeah. last name. When I saw it from him, I was like, okay, that's 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 – now that I don't trust everybody on social media, which I guess I, sh- I don't, but that was that seemed kind of real at that point. Um, here's what I'll throw at you guys. And first of all, Will and Jamal, it's always a blast to come on your show. So thank you so much. Um, to me, I feel like I got my top five. But I had these guys kind of in there for head coach. I, I didn't know if they would go with Deshaun. I, we talked about this before because I, I didn't know exactly what Martin and Josh were looking for. Um, I will tell you this. I had great conversations with Martin and Josh Revels um, about some of the plans, you know, after Deshaun, but before the enemy. Um, I teased a little bit of name that was being thrown around last week, and, and, and that didn't pay off. But what made me happy is that the names that I heard and the plans that they had made sense. Um, I, I worked at football camp this weekend with uh, one of my friends and, and former offensive lineman. Um, he was a freshman on my senior, Andy Myers, who's who's a big time help for 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 UCLA. For for you know, I don't I don't want to speak for Andy, but like he, he's going to be pretty involved in some things going forward um, that'll help the program financially. And he's just nothing but a winner. This guy's an absolute. He just. Every time you're around him, like he's 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 the type of person that's going to take charge. So I think what I'm trying to say here is the people that are coming into play, and for everybody out there that thinks that you know UCLA doesn't take, I hate hearing that comment. UCLA doesn't take football seriously. I'm like, well, slow down, because according to your logic, like most programs in the nation don't take football seriously, because most 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 you know 125 of the schools in the country aren't winning at a level that their fan base is happy with. It's just, it's a hard proposition. Um, I happen to see people working their butts off. I, I don't see, you know, Martin's doing his thing. He, he's charismatic. He's, he cares about UCLA. And you've seen him make, in my opinion, a couple of really good hires. Uh, Eric B. Enemy was great when he was here. I used to love roaming the sidelines and watching him coach. Um, his intensity is off the charts. Um, I know it's a little older now. I know it was a while ago. Um, but he he cares about his players. He's a great running back coach. And if you guys remember at the um, at the press conference, I, I was mad at myself because at the beginning I didn't talk about how good of a coach he was as a position coach. And I got a chance to do it after the media had asked him all his questions. I said, so how do you replace the best running back coach in America? And he chuckled. They never really got to an answer, but he just answered our question, didn't he? He took one of the best running back coaches we've had. And I know that Maurice Jones-Drew was probably going to be good anyway because it was Maurice Jones-Drew. 
But he, but trust me, Eric Bieniemy coached him really, really well. Like I, I got to, I got to see it up close and personal. And when he left, I remember being sad. I remember we lost John Embry. We yep. lost, he was a tight end coach, by the way, who, which kind of came into my brain the other day. I was, I was kind of laughing. I go, what's John doing now? I think he's with the Dolphins. Um, but I was, I was laughing about that. But, uh, but Bieniemy coming back with his experience, and Will, you pointed it out at the beginning, being on Super Bowl championship teams. And I know there's people out there listening that think, well, as long as you have Patrick Mahomes, you're going to win. That's not how this whole thing works. Dan Marino was great, too, and he didn't win any. Okay? John Elway was one of the best quarterbacks I ever watched when I was a kid, and he didn't win until he got a good running game to go along with and, and to go along with his abilities. Like, football is not a one-man show. So so what Eric Bieniemy learned under Andy Reid, and he learned from the players and the leadership, when you watch a locker room, like everybody that played under – Bill Belichick during those great years, you learn how to do it right. And so having him at UCLA, just to watch how the team practices, just to watch, you know, and, and even to be able to help Deshaun, you know, and not that Deshaun hasn't been around it either. He's played, you know, on a Super Bowl team also. So these guys have seen what it looks like to win. And, and remember, the enemy was also on a great college team, and so was Deshaun. So they they they've won. Okay. And also. Last last thing, uh, he's he's a he's a Southern California guy, right? It can't hurt to have, you know. I feel like our recruiting is going to just it, it, it's it's. I just I'm I'm stupidly excited about even this April transfer portal. Which, by the way, I had to look up the dates. I, I think I'm right, but it's April fifteenth to thirtieth. Yep. I don't know. Why. I'm not as good at searching for things as I'm sure you guys are, but like I finally found it. I'm like, when is that date? And it's, but like, I have a feeling we're going to grab some people. Um, and, and they're probably going to be a few good ones out there because most schools are going to be doing spring ball by then. You know, we're going to be at the end of ours. So, anyway, long winded beginning, but um, it, it's exciting. Um, I have no idea what they're going to run. No idea. So, so you can ask me. I mean, I can take some guesses, but I have no idea. And it's going to be interesting to see when spring rolls around. Wayne, what would you say is your level of excitement slash expectation, maybe just one through 10 for the sake of argument with Eric Bieniemy in three areas, recruiting, X's and O's, and how his personality will complement Deshaun Foster from a leadership and a growth standpoint? Okay, so let's let's let Jamal, you're going to help me out here because... I can be brain dead at times. So first point was was what again? Was recruiting. Okay. So uh you know, I don't know how to I, I don't know how to answer this because one of the things that I always think about is if people are like, why don't you ever coach? I coached a football camp this weekend, the California showcase, and it was a blast. I had so much fun around some great people. Um, but after one day, my feet hurt, my back hurt, like I was tired. I want to go home. I didn't want to go get on a plane, I didn't want to go drive to another you know to, to another town and I, I it's hard to recruit um you you have to you know these coaches are special people um but the one thing i've always loved about eric Bieniemy is his energy like even when i watched him in the nfl like he just seems tireless and i think you have to be that to be a coach so i i and i think the fact that not only do we have sean foster but we have eric Bieniemy. i mean like i don't know about you guys but are you expecting us to have some of the most elite running backs like in the country in the recruiting cycles coming up. No I mean, you, you, because you, you've got a head coach that knows how to run the football and you've got a running back coach now that knows. Uh, I'm assuming he's going to coach running backs too. Yeah. I, I know offensive coordinators a lot of times are, are both. I know my, my offensive coordinator was also the quarterback coach, but you know, who knows how that's all going to play out. But like, I, I just think that's already, I, I'm just getting kind of dizzy thinking about recruiting because, um, as well as we recruited the portal, we wasted a ton of opportunities. I know too many people in Southern California said that they didn't even really try with us. And I'm like, eh. and I'm like, you know, I, I get frustrated and I always spin it in my positive way. But but look who we are getting. You know, we didn't recruit, you know, we didn't get Zach Charbonnet out of high school, but we did get him. And and and, and we didn't get Lotsu out of high school, but we did get him, you know, our starting quarterback. We didn't get him out of high school. But we did get them. So, like, I, I'm never going to insult any of the players. 
of the Chip Kelly area. And I hate it when people do that, by the way, because every time you insult our recruiting, you're, you're not paying attention. I told, I told you this last time we talked. If you can have a top 10 offense two years ago and a top 10 defense last year, you have to have good players. That's And we've developed talent to put people in the NFL. We've done that at a very high level. Um, so anytime anybody says, well, you don't recruit. Well, dude, like, where do you, where do you get that from? Stars? Or do you get it from actual watching games and seeing who's playing? Because last time I checked, we have some of the best athletes out there. And yeah, a ton of them are transfers. So I, I think the high school end of it is going to, is going to tick up some, but that doesn't mean we're not going to keep getting transfers because that's the world we live in right now. Right. I just worked a high school camp and I was a quarterback at that camp. A couple of them actually. I'm like, how did you not? I watched a kid warm up with one of the kids just playing catch. And I, by the time I got time talking, there was already a coach over going, and this is D2, like, you know, mm. NAIA, you know, junior colleges, like they, they're looking for kids that got overlooked. And I'm like, this kid's six foot three and he could, he, he's miles ahead of everybody out here. I go, how did he not get re- – and it's because they're looking for the kids that have already already been developed some more than they used to. Instead of seeing a tall, skinny, good-armed kid that you can maybe give him a couple years and he's going to be really good, they're just trying to find the kid that's already good, which is a shame in a way because we're, we're going to lose development. Um, I know that uh, – I've told you this before. I follow – I get Kurt Warner stuff on my feet a lot because he posts a lot about quarterbacks – and he, he and I know people get grumpy because all us old guys act like we know everything. But Chris, like I watch these college kids, and they don't. It doesn't translate. Like what they're doing in college is in NFL. So it's really hard for me to tell you who's going to be good. He's like CJ Stroud's better in the NFL than he was in college, in my opinion. And I, but I didn't know. But he goes also. He goes Ohio State actually runs some pro stuff. So mm-hmm. so he had a little bit better of idea. And, and and yet so many of these other quarterbacks they get to the NFL, and it's like. We're going to wait and see because we don't know. Um, but anyway, Kurt Warner was just he, – he just – he said some really good things about developing athletes. And I think we've developed athletes at UCLA that it translates to the next level. And I think with people like Eric Bieniemy and with people like Sean Foster and, and other coaches, right, our, our coaches that have developed NFL talent and played in the NFL, I, I think every recruit's going to want to – I really do. I think that I think the high school recruiting, not just around the country, but in, in Southern California, I don't think we're going to lose as many. Part of that's going to come down to NIL money, and we all know that we're we're behind people. But it is I, I have information that we're working on that, and we're doing much better now. Second, second point. You asked me three things. Yeah, second one. point. What a great answer, Wayne. And second point is just the X's and O's. What is your excitement level expectation level in terms of how that's going to go what maybe is some anticipated schemes in your mind given the enemy's background given what is now needed in the big 10 maybe you could talk a little bit about x's and o's so this is the hard part for me because remember we talked about this before like really we lost our center and um from everything i'm seeing logan lawyers remember we were joking around about the team or not he looks like he's fully coming back yeah, um, we we have transfers coming in. We have, I mean, it, it, it's we lost Carson. I don't want to the the my as my my mom said. Where did the alligator? Where did the alligator guy go? I go. He's going to the NFL. <laughs> he's going to the NFL, mom. So like, but but like, but we have most of that back. So just to piggyback on what I was talking about with Kurt Warner earlier, I think college offenses are easier than they used to be. So I don't think as much it takes as much to grasp them. I don't see kids reading the full field as much. It's more reads on the certain plays. You read this and this and stay on one side. Um, I'm not saying that that quarterbacks don't know how to go through the progressions because some of them do it really, really well. And we ran more pro style stuff at, at UCLA. So so there's 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 things that that we can do. Uh, but I think he's going to have to come in. Remember when he was with Carl Durrell, uh, remember that was like West Coast? I don't know if you guys yeah. remember that. It was West yeah. Coast. And and one of the knocks was, this is really hard. And if you remember the the season that was great, Drew Olson was a senior. Maurice Jones-Drew was old. Mercedes Lewis was old. Like, we had an experienced team. And it's it's it'll be interesting because um, I, I like a lot of the similarities. Like, if you think about what, what they did with Tyreek, Mm-hmm. We've we've done a lot with slot receivers, over the top stuff. 
I don't think we'll lose that. I, I don't think that's going away. I hope they implement the guys on the outside more into what we do. But it's kind of funny. I was trying to think about it. I go, when you watch what Kansas City has done, you see slot receivers and tight ends again. I mean, you, you, I mean, it doesn't mean they don't utilize the whole field because you have Patrick Mahomes. Um, but that part's kind of interesting because I think there's some similarities there. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into the weeds on this, Jamal, because I I, I don't really know. I'll, I'll know more in spring. Um, I know we've got the personnel that when Eric Bieniemy comes in, because let's be honest, has he been watching a ton of UCLA over the last couple of years? Probably not. Is he gonna watch a ton of what UCLA did last year? I bet he will just to see what his personnel is. You know what I mean? With so many players coming back, especially on offense. Um, so I have a feeling there's going to be a strong run element still. So so I don't think it's going to be – I don't want to say it's going to be totally similar, but I think there's going to be some things that are going to feel similar, but I also think there's going to be some awesome stuff that – I'm telling you, we got too much talent on the outside. There's there's so many things – and how creative – this is this is what I'm excited about. How much fun offensive plays did they implement in Kansas City? Oh yeah, how how much how much just would you watch? You just go. I can't believe they just did that. But why don't more people do that? Because these quarterbacks are such good athletes, and and rem- most of them, most I know people don't. They think that quarterbacks are like made in a lab or something. But like almost like Patrick Mahomes is a baseball player. I joke around a lot about like when you watch these guys throw sidearm stuff. It's because these guys grew up playing shortstop. Everybody, everybody throws sidearm and plays baseball. Like we we do it for fun when we're warming up. Like. Kate McNown, myself, and Matt Stevens played catch, catch on this camp this weekend, and we were laughing, and we all have dead arms now because we're old. But we're we're doing the sidearm throws, and we can we can still throw sidearm, and we're old men, like because we all played baseball when we were growing up. Like it's like it's something you when you learn when you're young. But all the fake this way and pitch it back the other way, and some of the silly stuff they do, I think it's brilliant because it's just misdirection. It's all it is. It's like in the old days, we just ran reverses, but now we're more creative about how we run reverses. So to me, maybe you have to go back to Bob Toledo mm, yeah. to think about getting a little bit more creative because I love that crowd. Are you kidding me? So so I love that part. Okay, three, let's go. And then three, Wayne, just your perspective as a teacher, as an educator now, how do you think oh. – the enemy's personality is going to mesh with Deshaun from an organizational culture standpoint yeah. and just moving forward as, as a mentor for Deshaun potentially. Yeah. These are, these are such a, such a good question. Cause I, I was, I was actually thinking about that one myself. Um, he's, he is intense. He really is. Um, he's a tough coach, but one of the things that I respected about what Chip Kelly, Kelly did compared to, I'm going to give you guys a couple examples. I don't remember if it was Jarrell's teams or seriously, I don't, I don't remember if it was Toledo or New Heisel or any of them or Mora. I used to get so sick at how kids acted on the sidelines. Mm. I couldn't stand it. I, I, I mean, if we had a quarterback that went and stood by himself at the end and acted like, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but as an athlete, like if I ever coached a team and I had a player that went like and separated themselves for the rest of the team, and when it kind of showed everybody that they were mad or something, and went down there, shook their head, and kicked the dirt, and like, you did, you know, first of all, you're just showboating right now. You're trying to act like it's not your fault. So stop it. You need to go hang out with your teammates right now. And so, like, like all of that stuff is, I hate it. I remember we had a tight end one year that um, should have been way better than he was, and he'd have like three catches. And this was like in that early era of I'm gonna, you know, post all this stuff on social media. And I'm like, dude, I go, that's like a quarter for so I mean, like, I, I you're you're not Danny Farmer, you're not Charles Orbuffle, you're not JJ Stokes, you're not like you're acting like you're it's like the guy that gets a first down when they're losing by 30 and stands up and says, first down. I'm like, I get that players don't know that that looks dumb, but it's like just just I, I'm fine with having fun. I love fun. Have fun. But you do need to be aware <laughs> of we're a six and you know six and six and five, six and six, seven and five, and you you're posting three, a seven yard gain, an eight yard gain, and an eleven yard gain. It's embarrassing. So I watched that for a long time. I watched guys 
for I'm sorry I'm using this lane, but dicking around on the sidelines. I watch guys um, just being silly in practice. I watch, that didn't happen during the Chip Kelly era. I remember going out to practices and hurting words that we can't say mm. a lot. And you hear it every once in a while, and that's it's it's fine within the sport. But but when it's there's a difference between it happening within the context of of practice and games. And when it's happening just because the guy's an idiot and doesn't know how to act or doesn't know how to behave, this team has been a mature team. It's been a team that's preparing for getting guys ready for the NFL. So I think they're prepared. I really do. The, the players and the culture on this team are prepared. Remember, they stayed together for Deshaun Foster, but Deshaun Foster was on that last staff. Right. All, all these players had a good culture before this. He's going to tweak it a little bit. Remember the whole, we're going to have fun, but not in a childish manner, which is awesome too. We're going to have fun like grown men and we're going to do this the right way. Right. We, we refer to college athletes as boys all the time, but they're not, <laughs> they're adults. Right. And they're, some of them are making really good money more than we are. So, so like the idea is, is that they're going to do it the right way and they're going to add to what they've already created. It's not like this is a rebuild. This isn't, Taken over for Mora, who for whatever reason, and I'm not knocking Jim Mora, that that program went from being as good as it had been in a while, two bet two ten win seasons with Brett Unley, to kind of slipping into the abyss, and things got kind of weird. And and when when uh, Chip took over, it was a rebuild. I don't think this is a rebuild. I I don't, I don't get anybody that says the carpet's bare. I think the offense is ready for the Big Ten because, to be honest with you, the Big Ten has a few good offenses, but it's not like I watch that conference and go, wow, they've graded offense. I think I think UCLA is going to step in with an experienced quarterback and experience all around the place. There are some holes to fill on defense. But anyway, I, I, I went a little bit away from your question. The culture is, is these guys are used to being coached hard. And, and the enemy's going to come and he's going to be another one of those voices. But you know what? Guess who all of these kids have seen on TV when they've watched the Super Bowl? How many times have they showed Eric the enemy and his red holding up his play sheet? Right. How many? I mean, you guys both just saw it in your head, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, I, it's, it's, it's like it's what you see. Yeah, so everyone, he's got immediate respect. Immediate yeah. respect. Well, that kind of piggybacks on the question that I've got because EB – in so many ways, he's a very intense guy. He's more Mick Cronin, you know, mm -hmm. get on you, coach you up. And we, you know, the, the clips that were circulating this week, he was Adrian Peterson's running backs coach in Minnesota. And the clips were him mic'd up in minicamp, really getting on AP, like riding him, saying, hey, man, you got to do this, yeah. this way. AP doesn't want to talk to me today. That was kind of one of his things. And then he went up to him. And then Patrick Mahomes had this quote in the Mike Freeman USA Today article, EB is going to be harsh on you, Mahomes said. He's going to really try and get the best out of you every single day. He's going to hold you accountable when you don't want to hold yourself accountable. This coaching made me a better player. This is kind of a two-part question for you, Wayne. You are in a lot of these locker rooms at UCLA. What type of coaching do you feel, you know, being a player's coach, where it's kind of like one of your buddies that does coach you up, or is it the guy that kind of just rides your ass and makes sure – you're going really hard on every single rep and snap. Which style of coaching do you think benefited you more as a player? And then I think a lot of our older fans want to know what kind of coach was Terry Donahue for you guys? Because TD is such a legend for UCLA football. Yeah. What type of coach was TD and what type of coaching benefited you most down the line, Wayne? You guys are on fire right now. These are no, these are great. These are great questions. I mean, this is so fun because um, the the thing that I've always believed about coaching. Um, I've watched Coach Cronin, and I've actually uttered to the TV when I watched him just all over Tiger and Jaime and those guys, and I'd be like, I don't know. To be honest with you, mm. I, like I, I don't know. And and then I listen to him talk about him, and then it makes sense. It, it, as long as you're coming from a place of, I may, <laughs> I may say some words to you that. You're not used to, and in, in Coach Cronin's case, he's half their size, and this guy's talking to you like nobody in the streets would talk to you. And but he's coming from a place of love, and he's coming from a place of I'm going to make you better. Uh, that's that's what it takes. If if 
this is one of the flaws of 90% of high school coaches out there. Uh, you yell and scream a lot. For one, you don't know what you're talking about. So, and again, I'm sorry. This is going to sound mean, but because just assume if you don't like what I just said, you're in the 10% that does know. Okay, just assume you're on the good side. You don't know what you're talking about, and you yell a lot, and you tell people to do stuff over again, and you, you make fun of a kid for getting whooped when he's half the size of the other guy. and All the stuff that I've seen personally uh, is not real good coaching, to be honest with you. If you're going to yell and scream, you better know what you're talking about. You better be able to coach the kid up and tell him what he did wrong. That's, that's number one. You better also know the talent level of your kid because some of them can't do – and you can't either, by the way, but, but you watch guys on TV do it. So you assume that a kid in high school can do it. And that's dumb. Uh, so so the whole tough guy routine only works if you have kids. Kids know right away if you if you know what you're doing. So you have to have that respect. And going back to the Cronin example, I think the players know that he knows what he's doing. So they'll buy into it and they'll get their butts chewed out. I got chewed out by Homer Smith on a golf course once. He's I'm missing. This is after I was done playing. I'm yes. playing in a golf tournament with Homer Smith and I missed a couple putts and I'm like, you know, man, I can't make any putts today. And he threw his hat like he used to when I was a player. And he goes, good. There's never a bad time for a good ass chewing. Start making some putts. <laughs> and I, I just said, coach, man, you're a, you're a gym. My first, my first couple of years, and this is Terry Donahue and Homer Smith, because this is the two men as coaches that meant the most to me. Um, all my other coaches were great too, um, but those two were the ones I dealt with the most. Um, t- uh, Homer Smith was, was so tough on us that we had to know what everybody did on every single play. Um, the, we, I called the blocking schemes. I, I had to point to the unblocked players. I had to know the side adjust routes for every receiver. Um, it was just, it was nonstop. When I first got to UCLA, uh, Tommy Maddox was our, was our starter and he would put me in. I was like the third string guy that would get like, it would be like Tommy, then Jim Bonds and me. And he would put me in and he would, he, I'd get up under the center and I would put my hands under the center's butt. And I would say, I would start to say, dad, cook. Get out of my drill. Hand on cloth. He yelled at me because I did not put my, my my hand under the center's butt the correct way. Then a couple seconds later, I get my, you know, 10 more plays. I don't get any reps and I get my one rep. And I'm supposed to make a blocking call. And I go, lucky. I Well, first of all, I looked over at Jim Bonds and Tommy Maddox, who are experienced. And I, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't get it. I honestly didn't get it. It was like I was, it was a foreign language. And I looked over at him and they were like, Call Lucky, call Lucky. And so I go, Lucky, Lucky, get out of my drill. That's a Ringo call. And he was putting me in just to screw up. I used to get sick to my stomach. And remember, you guys, I had never not played in sports in my life Mm. on any team I was ever on until I got to UCLA. Okay. And so I get there and I just get, I mean, every time I get a chance to do anything, I love scout team because they held up a card. They said, run this play. And I was like, because I was so nervous. Like, and thinking back on it, if you get that nervous just to go to practice and perform, is that not preparing you for what you're going to have to deal with down the road? I mean, it's brilliant coaching. So I'll I'll tell you the full version of this, and I'm going to give you a a Terry story. So I go through in the first couple of years, I mean, I literally, and I'm embarrassed to admit this because I hated pass under pressure because all that was was blocking calls as a quarterback, it was all blitz, blitz, pick up, blitz, pick up, blitz, pick up. But I was terrible at it first couple of years. And I'm sitting there going, I just go, I'm never going to figure this out. I can't, I can't do this. And he would always throw me a compliment once in a while. Just enough. Brilliant coaching. You've got it. If you just beat someone up all the time and you don't let them know, like I would make a throw, just warm up. You go, that's an NFL arm cook. And I'd be like, are you sure that you're talking to the right guy? He would always throw those little things at me every once in a while. that made me feel like I was, but anyway, long story short, I missed a couple of pass under pressure drills because I think like I had to go to the bathroom. Like I literally did that. Wow. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. I mean, this is like therapy, guys. I mean, it's like hard for me to admit <laughs> that I did that because it's embarrassing. But I was so over being embarrassed. Fast forward down the road, and I'm now you know starting quarterback. Uh, I, I know the system like the back of my hand. I mean, I, it just all clicked one day. And like I always say, quarterbacks all have the light bulb moment. Where all of a sudden everything slows down, you start seeing the field, you start laughing at the other team when they're going to blitz, 
you can toy with linebackers because you know what defense they're in. And you're like, yeah, you can do whatever. I'm going to look over here, but I'm going to throw it over here. Like it, you get to where you just get the game. And I got to that point, And I remember there was some young quarterbacks and they would get into the drills and they would screw it up just like I did. And he would turn around and he would look at me and he'd smile. And I'd be like, you turkey. Cause now I was on the other side of it. Right. Like, it was just so cool. And Homer Smith, that same coach, before we played SC my junior year, that big game, goes, Wayne, he goes, you can call, you can wave me off and call every play on your own. But it, it, I had to go through hell for two years before I figured out and, and learned. So that's great coaching. Terry Donahue, stressed out. He always looked cool, calm, and collected, but he was, he was a stress case. Mm. He was always stressed out. At least that's the way I felt. And I remember we were playing Washington. And we're down 15 to nothing. Napoleon Kaufman had scored. Uh, we had they scored two touchdowns. He's doing push-ups in the end zone. Set the Rose Bowl. Everybody's I mean, I, we're probably getting booed at that point in time. I fumble the snap. That's how they got 15. I fumble the snap, which I still think was a crappy play call because we had a pulling guard on like the one foot yard line. And I he kind of did it. And I fumbled and Donnie he was like, What are we doing? Who what who what? And he's just just laying into me. And I'm like, coach, I don't know. We're going to figure this out. The next series was the longest pass play in UCLA history. Oh. Hit, hit, hit J.J. Stokes on a slant. He goes 95 yards. They blitzed. It was the Huskies. They brought eight. Hit my guy. Gone. We scored 31 straight points. But that was an example. There's another example. We're playing Stanford. And both years I played Stanford, we won. But it was, it, Bill Walsh was their coach. Totally close games. And I still remember the video of this because I was given a lot of freedom as a quarterback at this point in time, because again, I was a fifth year junior and a six year senior. I mean, I've been in school forever, but like the idea was I'm looking over at JJ Stokes and they're playing man. I'm like, anybody that plays man against JJ Stokes is an idiot, but it's third and one or fourth. It might've even been fourth and one. And I look over and I, I, I give JJ the, this means go deep. And I look over and I see in the video, Afterwards, Donahue's looking at looking at at Newheisen, and he's like, "What is he doing? Like, what is he doing?" And we go deep and hits PI, and we get the first down. But it was like it's chaos. Like he wanted to win so bad. Mm. He he was very much the CEO. He was very involved in everything that happened in his program. He was tough on us in all the right ways. But but you knew he he was another coach that Terry Donahue and Homer Smith drove to my house when I was almost failing out of school before I even was a starter. I was like the third string guy. Like, I'm like, why are you? He, they knocked on my dorm room door and said, we're going to go to Thousand Oaks right now. I'm like, what are we doing? We sat in my parents' living room. Wow. And I don't know if they said that. I don't know if they said that they thought I was on drugs, but they said I was enjoying life way too much. <laughs> and for everybody out there, I was not on drugs. Okay? But I... <laughs> Did like a lot of us back in those days, we we went to parties and enjoyed that stuff. But like I was just bad at I was doing terrible at school. But I wasn't, I thought I was at that point in time, I'm like, I'm not gonna play here. Like I believed in myself, but it was it was my belief had gone down some. And I had to, and I couldn't believe that they took the time to do that for me. And that's what I hope we don't lose in the modern world of college sports with all the transfers and everything else. I had to go through some really hard times before I got my shot. And then even when I got my shot, I blew my knee out and I had to re-earn the, you know what I mean? It was hard. And and so they both, those two, both, they cared about me as a human being. And they both saw me as a big time quarterback, even at a time when I didn't. So does wow. that make sense to you guys? Like, so that's cool. And that's what we want. And when I was at the, and I knew this about Deshaun already, but, I, but when, when I watched the press conference, I watched his emotion. I'm like, this guy loves his players. Yeah. He loves his players. And I know we get caught up in, yeah, well, these coaches make money and they transfer and just well, Deshaun Foster's also been Do you think other teams didn't want Deshaun Foster to be his running their running back coach? The Raiders have. I, that's what I mean. It may, but other people, <clears throat> I guarantee you, other people wanted him too. So him staying at UCLA, you can just tell he loves his players. He loves the school. Hiring the enemy is great. Um, he's the type of person that you pointed out Mahomes and the players that he's coached. But I saw Adrian Peterson up close and personal as a broadcaster when we played them back in college. Yeah. 
He doesn't get talked about as enough as enough as one of the greatest running back that's ever lived. That guy was amazing. But again, who's right there coaching him? Eric Bannum. And Eric Bannum, now here's the other thing. If you don't have the courage to coach your kids hard because you're afraid they're going to run off or leave, then do you really want that kid in the first place? That's like the dilemma that coaches are going to have to deal with now. Right. Like, if I can't coach you, because trust me, Eric, Eric's not going to back off. He's going to look at you and tell you about Maurice Jones Drew. He's going to tell you about how he how coached some of the greatest running backs of all time. And if I lay off you, you're not going to ever get to be as good as you want to be. So, so I, I don't see that happening. If you know, and I think these players they want that. Most players want that, right? They always say that kids crave discipline. Football players want to be coached, and if they don't want to be coached, then they're probably not going to be that good. Yeah, that makes it really well said, Wayne. And piggybacking off of that point a little bit, when we step back and we look at Deshaun, we look at Eric Bieniemy, we look at that combination and totality. And look at it from the lens of Martin Jarman. They're young. They are hungry. They're relatable. They have a tremendous passion for UCLA. This is now a new recipe for success for UCLA moving forward. Given this new recipe, what is one or two or three players that have been in the program the last year, two years, three years, that maybe hasn't gotten the most out of their potential or productivity that you've seen that you think wow. there's going to be a real light bulb moment here now, given that recipe. That's a great question. Um, it's the way my beautiful mind works, like throughout your whole question, I have answers for each part of it, even though that was only one question. Um, can I, I just it. say Let, this? Let's real, hear it all. Uh, let's hear it all. Can, I just want to say this real quick. The, the excitement for the program. I, I, I read something the other day, and we've talked about this before, that there's certain people, and you guys are included, and I tell you guys you're positive a lot, and there's other people that are positive too. But there's a lot of negativity. And if you if, if people still do check out the discussion boards every once in a while, they're out there still. Um, I will read them from time to time um, just to see what people think. And, and, and sometimes the negativity wears me out. Um, but it was always, it's always funny when, when you know, <laughs> you notice the SC people tend to, they're negative too, don't get me wrong, but there's more like, they'll act like they're better than us, even though we beat them two out of the last three years. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and, they, and they do it in a way that's almost like like you're dumb if you don't agree with them. Look, well, I watched the games. Like, I've, I've watched really the last three years we've been better. We just blew it one of those three. So, and that's just me, you know, I, I'll tell you when, you, when you beat us 15 or nothing, then, you know, we suck and you're better. But I haven't seen that lately. And yet, Every time you talk to anybody that's going forward in the Big Ten, we're below them. And it's like part of that's our own fault. So I know I keep saying this over and over and over again, but for you brought up the the hype part. We need to do a much better job of promoting UCLA football the right way. We need everybody in our, our media department needs to, to let the world know the kind of athletes we have. You know, we should have been pushing Charbonnet for Heisman more. We should have been like, let's let's make DTR out to be like Bryce Young, right? Because it was my opinion that they weren't that far apart. They're both really, really, really elite athletes that can throw the heck out of a ball. We need to we need to promote our people. You know, Latu made it on every list in the world, um, and, and and I'm not saying we don't promote. Them. But it's not just the people that work in the athletic department, though, right? It's all of us that, that love the sport, that insult every time we recruit someone or are upset every time we hire a new coach. It's like, you guys, you know, let's just try. Let's try to act like we're good. And let's, let's, you know, it's like we have an inferiority complex. And it's like, like Deshaun said, we're UCLA. We're not, this, some of his lives were so great. We're not a fake school, which, which was awesome because what he meant is we really have to go to school here. Like we produce like the leaders of tomorrow. You know, you don't just show up and take a couple of, you know, basket weaving classes and, and, and go play football. You, we do it all. And I think that benefits us. Um, so anyway, I, 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 I didn't get to the end of your question because of I was thinking about that. And I really believe it. I really believe that if I even said that in a meeting that I was lucky enough to be a part of, um, not that long ago, right before the banquet, I got to sit in with a lot of people and and used in and the Wasserman Center, and I I told I told the people I said this is what I see from someone that's been around the program since the nineties. We're too compartmentalized. 
like nobody's like we're we're not all working together. Like like the, this group's doing their thing, this group's doing that. And I'm gonna be honest with you, not everybody believes that we can be good ever. I hate that. I can't handle it. I'm like, I, you, yes, we have to believe that, but what about the past? But what about the past? We we've won before, we've had 10 win seasons, it's possible. Like and and, and so I hate that. Anyway, um Players who I think could take the next step, um, TJ Harden. I know it's an easy answer. Um, I think he's been on the cusp. I saw, I saw him at the press conference. He looks awesome. He just yeah. looks – sometimes I think we forgot when we started promoting him that he was still young. You know, remember when we were like, oh, we need to see more TJ. We need to see – well, he was still young. <laughs> you know, now he's growing into his – like his full man. He's the next running back in the league, Wade. Like, yeah, no, I, I know. Yeah. So, so I really think he's going to take the next step. Um, I know I'm picking guys that are already good. Kane Ken, Madrano was another player that mm. that was getting overlooked a little bit because you know Darius had such a great year, uh, and, 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 and well, he's fantastic. But like, but like, I, I actually think Kane could probably put on ten more. Yeah. He he's still built a little bit like the receiver he was. I don't want him to lose his running ability, but I think he's proven that he can not only be a thumper but a but a runner, and those guys are really really valuable. Um, so I think I think he could take the next step into first team all conference type of a player, you know. So so like I think that um, I don't know how he's going to find it, but I told you guys that before. This is my little wild card. I've always liked Pagan as a receiver whenever yeah. I watch him in practice. Um, I, I I even if you're listening, Brayton, go back and watch Sean LaChapelle play um, and 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 be the best route runner in the world and, and, you know, play like you're as big as you are, because I think, I think there's a chance. And it's funny. People don't, I had a great conversation with some of my former teammates at the press conference about JJ Stokes. And when JJ caught his first touchdown pass in college, it was for me. It was against Cal State Fullerton, the game that I blew out my knee. And I didn't even remember that I threw that to him because I thought it was to La Chappelle. Cause he was a star on that team. Sean and I worked all summer and, and, and Kevin Jordan was there and Mike went, but they were like young, right? It was, it was Sean. Sean was the guy. And, you know, we were going off, but I threw a fade to JJ and I, I was talking to the guys on the team and they're like, he didn't know he was like, he may, he may tell you he knew it, but none of us knew it. Mm. He was just this big guy that was chill and relaxed and calm and didn't really look like he liked to practice that much. And we we're just like, yeah, it's just, it's just Sean's the guy. And JJ ended up kind of like we when he really likes to be good in games. Like he enjoys scoring touchdowns. He enjoys making you miss him. He enjoys the fact that he'll be like, you can't tackle me. He enjoyed taking his helmet, helmet off and doing this to the crowd every time he scored. Like, dude was not, he was a good patch player. He was a better gamer. He was just that guy. And so, like, when I talk about a guy like Pagan, I see some of the skills that he has, like, he, but you can't, I, I don't have the magic. It's like the, what's the movie with Michael Jordan, the Space Jam, where they all drink the secret sauce at, at halftime? That's yeah. right. But I wish we had that because I don't know how many times we've seen an athlete that you see their ability, but they don't have the mind to live up to. It's like having a great, great golf swing, but you can't make the three-foot putt when you have to. Like those guys will drift away and we won't even know who they are. And there's other guys that make it every time. You know, it's like they're just certain dudes that you need to make a play. I'm going to make it. So those are a few. I, I, I hope we pay attention more to uh, to Jay and, and, and Gary and Keanu and those guys in the middle. I think those guys have NFL talent. I think they're big and strong, especially Jay. But the other guys, too, I think they're good. And we, we, we focused on the outside guys so much. Right. But I, I think maybe we forgot about those guys a little bit. I think Femi's got a chance to have a mm. special year this year. Um, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot. I, I, I'm curious to see what the secondary does, but like um, off the radar guys, I think Pagan would be my off the radar guy. But again, that they crowded. It's a crowded wide receiver room right now. So he's going to have to fight scratch and claw for playing time. Um, he got some last year. But, you know, you got to do stuff when you get on the field, and I hope he does. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough to get out there with a J. Mike Ford lawyer yeah, coming back, so you know, with all those dudes. And, you know, could we, we have said, hey, hey, Will, Will, could we have said, could we have said J. Mike and Ford? 
Like we, we probably could have. Could we have said no because those two like we, we didn't we really get the game like full experience yeah. last year. You know what I mean? I, so I saw flashes of it. Like I mean, the, the yeah. whole game, the beginning of the season. There's a lot of gap in between, but. I think we're going to get the full J. Mike experience. And how about, our, how about I thought our tight ends could have been even better last year, too. Like, now, I, 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 I'm telling you, man, I, I think there's a lot of guys that, like, I don't know if people realize it, but, like, we were so inconsistent with the quarterback position. And, and you know, we, we just didn't quite get yeah. everybody involved the way we should have. And I, I think we saw it at the end of the year that what may be coming. And But, you know, who knows? All right, sorry, sorry for No, 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 you're all good, man. Uh, you know, I think one of the things Madman and I are so excited about, Deshaun Foster specifically, is he got to learn offense through the lens of Chip Kelly. And he has a lot of critics out here. He went out kind of in a weird way. But I never want people to deny the fact that Chip Kelly, from an offensive play-calling standpoint, is one of the best we've seen at the college football level in the history of the game. Like, that is a real fact. And what he's able to generate, look at the offensive running backs that him and Deshaun put out together. His offense is consistently ranked in the top 15, top 20 in his tenure here. And then you get a guy like Eric Bieniemy, where you get not one but two master class learning yeah. experiences with EB coming back to college football and all of the success that he's had, man. So I guess the question that I'm going to ask you next Wayne, is from a positional standpoint, what is the position group on offense that gets you most excited about having an Eric Bieniemy in the building? Because, yes, we know about Mahomes. Yes, we know about Peterson and his job when he coached the running backs, you know, up in Minnesota. How about Travis Kelsey? His Travis Kelsey's best year statistically came with Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. They had a guy named Tyreek Hill who might be the best receiver in the NFL. He learned a lot there. So you have – you know, tangible experience by raising the level of play from not only the quarterback, but the running back wide receiver and tight end room. What positional group are you most excited to see EB get to work with? So, so first, um, first I'll say this, what you said about the coaches is, is spot on. Cause, cause it's funny. This goes back to my negativity comment. How many positive articles have you read about Chip Kelly being the offensive coordinator at Zero. Ohio state? It's like, Zero. Can't have it both ways. So he sucks. He's terrible. He doesn't do anything right. I'm like, we have the top 10 offense. And last year's offense, we talked about, we didn't score as much as we should have. Those numbers aren't very good. But we were still like, we still moved the ball. And it was, it it was, when it was good, it was good. So Chip Kelly knows how to call offense. His his running game has always been spot on. Um, And then Andy Reid, we all know. And I always remind people how good he was with, um, with, uh, with the Eagles back in the day with Donovan McNabb. You know, Donovan McNabb's always been on the cusp of being a Hall of Famer. Like, he's one of those guys that had such a good career. They made it one game away from the Super Bowl, like, three or four times. I mean, they were, like, they were always right there. Like, Andy Reid, for a long time, was that coach. He was like Dan Reeves. He was like, you know, he was like Rob Levy. He was like, he was right there on the cusp of, like. Kyle Yeah, exactly. Oh, too soon. Uh, <laughs> too soon, man. Too soon. <laughs> He's creeping into that category, though, right? Um, so yeah, they, they get to they get to that point where it, and then sometimes, and people don't want to accept this either. Sometimes it takes Terrell Davis to put you over the edge. I know that was Mike Shanahan. It wasn't Dan Reeves, but like, but like, it, it takes you know that that extra player. That takes a having a Kelsey and a Mahomes and a you know Donovan McNabb was good. And those and did they have Deshaun Jackson back in those days? Like they had some real. I don't know if he was it was that far back, but like yo, close. Yeah. But they need they needed something else. Um, either way, Andrew Reid's brilliant. I said this on the show before. I think he's one of the best coaches that's ever lived. I felt that way for a long time, and now he's like now that he's won Super Bowls, and for everybody out there, well, you can only do it with a great quarterback. Yeah, that's called every. Coach, for the most part, I mean, like that's that's you kind of have to have one of those. So, so I love that part. I I, I love that 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 the enemy has been around um, such great talent. So he's seen how they work. He's seen how I mean, like because all those guys are dogs. They get after it. They don't just go through the motions because you, you're not a you're not hall of, like you just mentioned hall of famers, right? Kelsey's gonna be a hall of famer. Tyreek Hill's gonna be a hall of famer. Patrick Mahomes is going to be a Hall of Famer. You know what? Hall of Famers, last time I checked, usually work harder than everybody else too. Mm-hmm. They, they're just, they're just, that's just kind of 
You can't be great without it. So um, I love that. The position group, and this is this is going to bother people because I was kind of stalling a little bit because that was such a good question. I don't really have an answer. I think we're solid everywhere. I'd like to see the offensive line take a step forward. Okay, I, think, I think the receiving core is deep. Um, this is – don't be offended, anybody. If you, if, if any of the players, remember, I, I, I swear, you treat me like a coach if you want to. The best receiver coming back is Logan Lloyd. He was, he was a star of the group. He has had the most production. You can decide who the best athlete is if you want to and decide who has the most upside. But as long as I said last time I checked, the guy that has the most production is the best player. So Logan Lloyd. Uh, the other guys have to do more. You know, if you want to talk about our tight end group, I, I love Habermel and um, uh, Matavel. Um They're great. I think they have a chance to be elite, elite tight ends. Um, Montevals, he's just a complete player. Habermill showed us that he's more athletic than I think we thought. Um, and so, wow, two tight end sets. I love it. Running back, TJ, I think he can be great. I, I'm not sure. I'm gonna, this is gonna, you guys are gonna hate me right now. You're like such a quarterback. I think what we learned last year, the best quarterbacks in college football were like 23 years old. They go down the go down the list of the dudes that were good. If Garbers can pick up whatever they're putting down as far as the system, he he can move. He's not Patrick Mahomes, but he can move. We saw it all year. He, whenever a quarterback has positive running stats and they played a lot of games, that means they can run. Because most of us get sacked enough to where we have negative stats, and so he he's a dual threat guy who was once a four star guy. Okay. I really believe with his experience, with so many people coming back on the offense, if you put him into a situation to succeed, I think you're excited about having an experienced quarterback like Garbers. I think that's a big deal for this team. Wayne, I want to close the show with this question that you actually alluded to earlier in the show, and it actually is a more holistic question around how UCLA communicates about its excellence in football. And you talked about yeah. the way SC fans communicate about expectation and excellence and aura and brand yeah. versus the way UCLA does. And I think it's actually, Wayne, symptomatic of a larger issue across the university. I, I've said this a lot in different pockets that UCLA loves being the congenial school, the school next door, the accessible school, the school that everyone can relate to. And in the process, they are very uncomfortable bragging about their own success or puffing out their chest and saying that they're great because it kind of goes counter to being that congenial school. And so that's a hard communication policy strategy to have. And oftentimes UCLA tends not to communicate or under communicate because they don't know how to tightrope that message. And so the question for you, Wayne, is for football specifically, now with a big personality like Eric Bieniemy, and now with someone who's so passionate like Deshaun Foster and with the charismatic athletic director and Martin Jarman, between those three individuals, A, do you see someone now in a clear position to be able to communicate more boldly, I'll call it, about UCLA football? And if so, who of those three individuals is best suited to do that for more long-term kind of brand success? You guys should should do this podcast all the time. These are like such good. I'm kidding. You guys are those are these are such well thought out, awesome questions. Um, first of all, they have to be more bold. That's my opinion. Is like a problem. It's like it's it's a weakness. Um, second of all, it's it was funny. I was I was thinking about the camp I worked this weekend, and one of the people that was there was um, James Washington. And James Washington almost killed Kevin Jordan in a seven on seven alumni game. Um, because he wanted to win and we're like old people james has won a couple of super bowls and he's an amazing athlete if you talk to any of the guys that um i not the guys i played with necessarily even though i would say the same thing about my guys but if you go back to the 80s when they won three rose bowls in four years they're uh those guys are bordering on arrogant very confident and and their abilities very very like 
you get a street fight with them, they're going to win. And and I, I learned that real quick. And trust me, you didn't want to mess with some of the guys I played with either. You don't want, you don't want to mess with Jameer Miller. You didn't want to mess mm-hmm. with Bruce Walker. You didn't want to mess with those guys. I mean, you could sit down with Donnie Edwards for an hour and think he's the most charismatic, like nice. You want to take him home and meet your parents. But that guy will absolutely destroy you on a, on a, on a practice field. Not even in a game, on a practice field. I already talked about JJ. You think you can tackle me? You think you can guard me one-on-one? There's no way. So when you have that brashness and work ethic to go along with it on the field, that's the first step because that obviously people will talk highly of you when you're doing well on the field. The problem that I've had is that even when we are doing things well, we're still, yeah, we kind of got lucky when we beat Utah and Washington back-to-back. No, we didn't. We killed them. We destroyed them in the trenches. Those games were the Washington game. They got some points at the end. We whooped those two teams. And those teams that Utah won that year and Washington won the next year. Right. So when everybody acts like we're like second-class citizens, I'm like, no, we're not. Yeah, we need to win some other games. But the more we start talking positive about who we are, okay, the more that, that we allow and I don't know if Deshaun's going to do this, and Deshaun, you don't have to do this, and I know I work in the media, but it's okay to let Eric Bieniemy talk to the press. It's okay to talk, let Kaika Malloy talk to the press. I mean, it's like me after the game. Let let the let this let let's let's promote our players. Let's 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 hear like yeah, they might say something wrong. Who cares? You know, it's, I feel like we're trying to protect the grown men. We're like you know for for Mora and Chip too. It's protect, protect, protect. And like, and finally, at the end, we started getting more guys, and these, these, they're amazing, and they'll let you know how confident they are. You talk to Carl Jones; he'll let you know how confident you that he is. So, so like to me, um, again, it starts right from the beginning. Let's. I've even said it. If you're listening to UCLA, I'll, I'll do anything you want me to do with with media stuff, because I love UCLA. I, I love our players. I think we've got talent everywhere. They're good guys, but they, they're, they're, they're – and I haven't always felt this way. They're, they're, I've always loved UCLA, but there's been some players that I'm like – like I shake my head up because I don't respect the way they work. I don't respect the way they act. I don't respect the way they but, – but for the most part, when you're doing things the right way, I respect that, and I believe it should be promoted. Not just with NIL dollars and all that other stuff, but if you are promoting, promoting your players the right way, it will help them. And I, I do think I do think that Deshaun and I think that Martin and I think that that people like the enemy and I, I just saw something the other day with Wit with Coach Wit. Um, yep, uh, that was awesome. Um, I love him, by the way. He's just such a such a with such a great guy and such a great coach. Um, with with, the, with these people, just need to we need to promote them more, promote them more, talk about them more. Um, every time we get a recruit, instead of talking about how they're not good enough, let's, you know, if the coaches want them, let's trust our coaches. You know, how about that? How about they probably worked harder on recruiting than the rest of us have? They probably know. I mean, remember, I was in a magazine once as a player, and I know there's people out there that don't think I was that good, but like, I always laugh at that because, like, well, we haven't had very many quarterbacks play a Pac 10 championship or Pac 12 championship. So I did it. And whether you think it was because I was good or not, whatever. But the idea is, is that when I was recruited, I was in a magazine where I was known as I was, they called me the unknown quarterback. And it was, it was like, okay, I didn't lose confidence in myself because I thought it was, I was, I could play with anybody, but like, it was, it was frustrating and you have to prove yourself. But I promise you, if I'd have played at a different school where I had a million superstar athletes around me, I would have been great in high school. I would have been. And 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 then I would have been a five-star recruit and everybody would be like, oh, he's really, really good. But because I played at a school that won like four games in two years and I got sacked a million times and, you know, we didn't catch the ball very well and it, we had some other issues, you get overlooked. I worked at a camp this weekend. There was two or three guys who were like, these guys are Division One players. And no one picked them up. It doesn't, and those guys are going to have to fight their whole lives to prove people wrong. But when they get here, if our coaches saw something in them, let's give them the love they deserve because once they become a Bruin, we want them to be great. Right. So anyway, I know I preach a lot on your guys show you guys, but you can tell that I, 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 I want an era. Like I saw Brett Hundley this year. I know we're, we're running out of time. I saw Brett Hundley this year and I love Brett Hundley. Brett Hundley was not because I thought Brett was the 
greatest quarterback in the world. Like, like all of us, like we all have flaws. But Brett was a gamer. He was a gamer. No doubt. He just made plays. I mean, the guy was, he was, and when, when he comes back and I, and I talk to him, I just think like that was a fun time to cover UCLA. Drew Olson, Eric Bien, I mean, MJ, you know, Maurice Jones, Drew, Mercedes Lewis. Man, I love that team. That was so fun. We need to have more of those years. We had it two years ago, I think, with DTR senior year, right? That team was really, really good. The defense was really fun to watch last year. But we need to get that 9, 10, 11, maybe 11 one of these days. I think we're close. I, I really do. I, I believe that with all my heart. You know, and I'm going to finish on a similar note we finished on last time. UCLA has long been a sleeping giant. We have taken the steps with Deshaun Foster and Eric Bieniemy to awaken that sleeping giant. Wayne, thank you so much for coming on the show. It is a happy and proud time to be UCLA fans. We're thinking about maybe doing some sort of show for the spring football spring game. game. Yes. For the spring football game. We'd love to have you out there, maybe a live show. If you're interested in that, maybe we can get something going. But Wayne, just want to thank you so much for coming on as always, man. What a time it is to be a UCLA you know, fan and somebody that's covering the program like myself. Just a lot of positives moving forward for the Bruins, Wayne. You guys, I appreciate you. You know that. Um, people notice. I think the fans appreciate you guys and what you do. So keep up the good work. And uh, the spring thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys, I hope, I hope they put it on the radio. Ooh, I hope yeah. they put it on the radio. We've done it before. Like it, it, gets us, it gets us an opportunity to talk to UCLA football where everybody can hear it. And I know they all listen to Bruin Bible and I will do that too. You guys know that, but like, we'll, we'll make it happen. Uh, but they should, it's, it's going to be at the Rose Bowl. Let's make it a big deal. Let's make it a big deal. It's going to be April 27th. Yeah. Let's get the people loud and proud at that spring game. Bruin Bible. We are officially out. We'll have some more episodes coming later this weekend on ESPN radio. Take it easy guys. Have a good one.